praise to our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've realized one thing as you travel on the roads today. People are impatient. Maybe it's just me, but I'm thinking that what PennDOT should do to save themselves a lot of money is just yank those yield signs off that as you come on to Route 80 or 81, just yank them out of the ground and throw them away because you don't need them. No one pays attention to yield. We are impatient people. And this morning, we're going to look at two individuals for the greater part of their lives had to be patient. They waited to see the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom was promised. One individual said it this way as he commented on his being born and and obviously raising during Christmas Day. And his parents, what they would do is the siblings had bedrooms across from each other in the hallway. And he would take very heavy string and tie the door handles together so that they could not get out until he and his wife were ready for them to get out. They learned patience maybe the hard way. This morning we're going to look at what it is to be patient in waiting for the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our season dictates the fact that we can get excited. All of the trappings and all of the decorations cause us to stop and to consider this type of season. For those who are not kingdom people, it seems to be more of a season of being just impatient. A season of rushing here and rushing there, not taking the time to even consider what all of it means. Those of us who are kingdom people, it has a totally different meaning. The lights can refer, at least we can think of, as Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We can look at the trees and and finely decorated as they are, but yet we can still see that Jesus Christ is life. And we're grateful for the friends and the fellowship that we can have one with another because even the Apostle John wrote for us that the reason for him to share the Word of God is that we might have fellowship with him. And truly, our fellowship is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of these things, O oh Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to And gather here this morning to fellowship one with another, to sing of praise to you, to contemplate what the worship team sang for us. Who would have dreamed that, oh Lord God, this is the way that you are going to bring salvation into the world? We thank you, oh God, that your ways are not our ways. Neither your thoughts are thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your thoughts higher than our thoughts and your ways higher than our ways. 
We understand that from a viewpoint that we've read that verse before, but in all tents and purposes, it draws our attention to that you are God and God alone. For only you, as Paul Hawaii wrote, that we can remember that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. We're grateful, O oh Lord God, that we can celebrate, we can anticipate, and we can proclaim the goodness that is in Jesus Christ. Our hearts are warmed by those who are here this morning. And I pray, O oh God, that as we look into your word, that a familiar passage will not become too familiar. That there will be a nugget of truth. Something, O oh Lord God, that maybe we've never seen or heard before. Guided by your Holy Spirit into our hearts. May we come to appreciate these two individuals as they waited upon you. I pray, O oh God, too, that you would comfort those here this morning who come with a, with a heavy heart. Some of them have gone through some horrific things this year. I pray, O oh God, that you would quiet their hearts. Speak to them, O oh Lord, as, as only they can hear. Let them not only just sense your presence, but Lord, may they sense your peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are those who are here this morning who may be anticipating something in the coming year, anticipating news that they're not looking forward to hearing. And yet even in that, they can trust in you of your promises that you've never left them and never forsake them. We're grateful, O oh God, for your word. That which we lack in understanding, I pray, O, oh, that by your spirit you will make plain. That which we need to heed, may, O oh God, may your spirit speak to our hearts and get our attention. But all in all, Lord, I thank you that you are the honored guest. Your presence here causes us to stop and contemplate how great you are and so unto you O lord we ask that you would bless your word today as we peruse through the pages may you O god direct our mindset to honor you and in these things we ask and pray through the matchless name of christ our savior the lord's anointed one, the Lord's Messiah. Amen. Let me draw your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. The scene changes a little bit here. We're no longer at the manger. In fact, eight days after Jesus was born... He would have been circumcised, as the text tells us in verse 21. 
And they would have named him the name that the angel Gabriel told them to call him. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But there's an interesting part of the, of the narrative here that we, we don't contemplate too much. It's about two individuals who have waited a great time in their lives, a long time. They've gone about their daily routine, anticipating a promise that they received, according to the text, from the Holy Spirit. They were given a promise that one day they would see the salvation, it's described as the consolation of Israel, which in, is a phrase that's used for the coming of the Messiah. The Holy Spirit, through, the, through God, would tell them that they will see this one, the Messiah. The only one that we are told concerning age is the second one, Anna. She is at least 84 years old. And it says that she ministers day and night, both praying and fasting, in and around the temple. She greets people. She listens to them. She prays for them. And then there's Simeon. A greater part of the text is, is donated to him as Luke is writing from a historical perspective. Simeon comes on the scene in verse 25. Verse 25 down through verse 38, we see these two lives. Let's read this passage together. And and in honor of the word of God, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the word. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So when he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband 70 years from her virginity. 
And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Israel. Now, before you sit down, turn around and shake someone's hand and say, the word of God will speak today. Before we begin, the, the setting of this particular passage is relative to what is spoken of in Leviticus chapter 12. In Leviticus chapter 12, as the Mosaic law portrayed, there were certain things, there were certain days, if you will, of cleansing that had to happen in the life of a woman who gave forth a child for a male child, it was 33 days. For a female child, it was 65 days. And after those days were finished, that woman was to come to the temple and offer, if you will, an offering both for a burnt offering of praise and an offering of sin. And thus her cleansing or her time of purification, it is called, would be completed. Mary is coming to the temple. In fact, the coming to the temple with this child is, is twofold. Previous to the verses we just read, it says that Jesus was dedicated, which was according to the law, again, that the firstborn son belonged to God. And so Jesus was given back. Interesting thought is this, is he's God. He already knows who he belongs to. And so does Mary and Joseph. They give this child back. But yet now Mary is engaged, if you will, in her own purification. For it says again in the previous verse, verse 24, that she offered... Two turtle doves. And the law gave permission for that if individuals were of least financial situation. They could not offer a lamb. So they were given permission to offer two turtle doves or even pigeons. For the fact of to secure her cleansing. Now, you've heard the statement before where it says, just so happened, as if it was by accident. The text tells us that there was an individual by the name of Simeon who was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple that day. That disregards or that disrails every 
Well, it just so happened. No, it didn't just so happen. It was determined by the counsel of God. What I find it interesting is that how long, we're not told, but how long and how old was Simeon? When he was first given instruction by the Holy Spirit of God that he would see the Lord's Christ before he died How long did he have to wait? We struggle with the same thing, don't we? We wonder, when is it that Jesus is coming again? And some of you have known that truth for a very long time. And it has not yet happened. But you still go through your life living to honor the one who promised that he was coming. We who are of younger years, thankfully by grace through faith, have come to understand that same truth, that our Savior is coming. The Messiah is coming again. No, he will not come as a baby. But he will come as king King of kings and Lord of lords. And we dare not lose heart as one of the writers of the word of God has said that we've heard it say, well, where is he who has promised? We become weary of world. And yet I'm here to tell you this morning, dear people, that wait just a little bit longer. Jesus Christ is coming again but in this advent the first advent of the savior he came as a child it's proof of galatians 4 4 where the apostle paul wrote in the fullness of time god sent forth his son born of a woman in our pursuit of the six different views of the birth of our Messiah, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've studied that the prophets anticipated. Joseph believed, Mary trusted. The angels announced. And now we have Simeon and Anna who praised. They praised. Notice how Simeon is described. He's described as being just and devout. You may have a translation that says righteous and devout. Righteous or just literally means doing that which is right, no matter what. Devout means, to to use the word itself, to give you a definition of the word, devoted to something. He being devoted totally to God. But you notice he's also recorded as one who is awaiting the consolation of Israel. Again, a phrase that is in reference to the coming of the Messiah to bring peace, which tells me that Simeon was also a man of the word. 
He knew what God had said concerning this one, the Messiah. He understood everything that the Messiah was supposed to do and will do, as recorded not only just in the book of Isaiah, but in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that there is going to be, which is known as the day of the Lord, when the Lord God himself will come as King of kings and Lord of lords and establish his kingdom upon this earth. Simeon knew that. And he understood that and he waited for this time. The text tells us that he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple that day. We're not told that Simeon is a priest. He doesn't seem to hold that office. And so the place of his meeting of Mary and Joseph and the baby would have been in the outside court where individuals could come in, present their offerings to a priest who would then take them and offer them up to the Lord. But he is moving amongst people. And then all of a sudden, he recognizes this is the one. And he goes over, And he takes the child. Those of you that shop at Walmart. Lord have mercy. Those of you that shop at Walmart. Would you be so quick. To hand over your newborn child. To let's just think that maybe Simeon may have been in his 80s. Could have been. Hunched over a little bit. Could have looked different. And yet that individual would come up to you in Walmart and say, can I hold your baby? Would you be so quick to say, sure. I doubt you would. Can I see some identification? Look down at his heel, make sure he doesn't have one of those, those, those ankle bands. <laughs> That shock when you go out of place. No. Which highlights to me also, dear people, as we have seen in our previous studies, that both Mary and Joseph were also guided by the Holy Spirit. For they knew that they could trust this one. So what did he do? He took the child and then he began to sing. Oh, it's not in, in, in hymn song for us here, but let's look at his song that he, that he proclaimed. First of all, he said, Lord, verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. It's a peace It's a kind of peace that even in the face of death, he trusted God. It's a kind of peace that, described for us as earlier spoken of, it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a kind of peace that the world does not understand 
Driving Route 81 yesterday, coming back from New York to visit my, my wife's mom, there was not a whole lot of peace happening at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's people coming on and tractor trailers that all of you that drive that, you understand that sometimes you have to drive for the other person. You have to outthink them. You know that that 18-wheeler loaded, black smoke coming out of both stacks, he's coming in your lane whether you want him to or not. And so you move over, and as soon as you move over, a guy behind you starts flashing his lights at you. As if you've committed the greatest sin of all time. That's not very peaceful. And I have to tell you, in, in my driver's seat, I wasn't very peaceful either. But I am thankful for God's protection. It's the kind of peace that when you wake up and your child is sick and you don't know why. You rush them to the emergency room and you're not very peaceful as as worried parents taking a child to the emergency room. But when you're there, all of a sudden, there's this realization that God is in charge. It's a kind of peace that even Simeon had that Think of it. His indication that he was soon going to leave this earth was based upon the fact that his eyes was going to see the Messiah. We're not told if he passed the afternoon or the next day. All we are told is that he praised God for the peace that now, as a servant... He can be set free from the bonds and chains of this earth and be ushered into the presence and glory of the God of heaven. It's a song of thanksgiving. In fact, we have a sure hope when we, when we trust in Jesus Christ and because of Jesus, we can look forward in hope. In fact, like Simeon, we can live expectant of what the Lord will do. What, what are you expecting God to do? Have, have you just taken inventory of saying, God, I would really like for you to do this. What would it be? In fact, all of you can help me out because starting the beginning of the year, I want to do a new sermon series. I don't know how long it's going to go. But I want to do a sermon series by allowing you to help me. The sermon series is going to be entitled, God, I Have a Question. Beginning next week, Diane, get ready, mark this down. This is what you have to do. Beginning next week, there's going to be a box and some papers next to that box out on the sign-up sheet foyer, whatever they call it, ledge, I guess. And if you have a question that you would like to ask God, what would it be? God, I have a question. 
Why do people on Route 81 drive crazy? You're not going to find the answer to that in the Word of God, but I'm talking about something that if you could have an audience with God, what would you ask him? God, I have a question. I want you to take a piece of paper and write on it what your question is. We'll take those and begin to investigate the Word of God. One question might be, God, I have a question. When are you coming back? <laughs> I'd love to know the answer to that myself, but it's in the Word of God, by the way. It's here. God, why did the New York Giants stink this year? <laughs> And we'll take your questions and we will investigate the Word of God. Beginning next week, help me out with that. I want to hear from you. What is it that you would like to know? It's not that I'm running out of material to preach from. I've got 66 books, by the way. But sometimes it's good just to take inventory of the sheepfold. Maybe you have a question of something you're struggling with. Maybe you have a question that's relative to family members. I, I don't know. But God, I have a question. Just write it down. Put it in that box. And we'll see where the Lord takes us. That begins next week, by the way. So at least I hope there's at least one question in that box next Sunday so I can get ready for the first Sunday of January. Amen, Paul. I've got to get ready for the first Sunday. But because of Jesus, we can look forward in hope. You already know this, dear people, but it's, it's good to go over it once more. We are not home yet. This isn't home. We have a home far greater yet described for us in Scripture that I can't even begin to imagine what it looks like. And that's our hope. You see, the question isn't, I hope I get there. No, no, that's, that's the wrong question. For those of us who are kingdom people, we know that to be go beyond hope. That is our great hope, but we know we're going there. So we have hope for what yet is coming. And we can rest in Jesus Christ. Simeon was explicit in that. Now I can die in peace. The next three lines that he shares are all one thought. If you're looking to do a devotional, someone's asked you to do a devotional, just go here. Verse 30, 31, and 32 are individual points that you can share. Here's your sermon right here. The first one is this. For my eyes have seen your salvation. 
The second point is, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. The third point is, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. In reality, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's highlighted by the first phrase, this is God's salvation. This is God's way. This is the only way. Let me see how astute you are in the scriptures. In John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus makes a declaratory statement when he said, I'll begin it and you finish it. I am what? I'm the way. Then he says, and I'm the truth. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So when you hear of other people, when you ask them, how do they know they're going to heaven? If they give you a reason other than what Jesus said, it's not God's way. Simeon reminds us that when Jesus Christ came to this earth, it was God's plan and it's God's way of salvation. Described for us, even in the book of Romans chapter 1, where it says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation. It is affordable because you can't pay for it. It's free. All it requires is grace by faith. Believing. That Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And that's what Simeon is telling us when we, we look at that. Because of Jesus we can know true peace. It's a kind of peace that rests in a confidence. And knowing full well that what the Holy Spirit says through the word of God it will be true. It's a kind of peace that. In Jesus Christ, it passes all understanding. My question to you this morning is, are you trusting in that peace? Do you have that peace? Peace that the world tries to buy is only temporary. But the peace that Jesus Christ gives is eternal. And you can have that today by just simply trusting in Christ, in Christ alone. Simeon says, this one, for my eyes have seen your salvation. There's no one other. And secondly, he says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. God brought forth his firstborn son, his only begotten son there never was and there never will be 
another. His name describes who he is, Emmanuel, God with us. Paul tells the people at Thessalonica, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The writer of Hebrews determines that through sundry times God has spoken to us through angels and other events, but now he speaks to us through his son. He's the only one. He is God's salvation that has appeared to all. Third point, not only as a light to the Gentiles, a revelation to the Gentiles, but also for the Jewish people worldwide. That's not a new phrase, by the way, because I'm sure that Simeon would have remembered what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 42. When you go back and read that passage, verse 1 down to verse 10, you'll come to realize that he's speaking of the coming of the Messiah. And he says, and I will send you to be a covenant to my people, but also a light to the Gentiles. This was God's way of salvation. Lastly, because of Jesus Christ, unfortunately, some will not believe, but some will. The the phrase is used as he's describing this to Mary and to Joseph when he says in verse 34, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and arising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It's pretty evident even in our world today that there are individuals who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. The consequences of their rejection have eternal implications. But there are those who do trust in Jesus Christ as you. The consequences of that also hold eternal rewards. From this, though, we are called that we can proclaim the gospel message to all people. It's for all people. And lastly, and Jesus fulfilled God's promise that he was sent to be the Messiah of all time. Anna, in her presentation to Mary, not only did she come and give thanks to the Lord, but she began to tell other people right then and right there, this is the one. That's our call in our lives, dear people. We're to tell people. That's part of God's plan. God has determined that those who have know and understand him and trust in him that we are to engage other people in conversation about their eternal destiny. There's no better time than 
at this time of season. When individuals are in a hurry, go up to them and say, Merry Christmas. They may look at you strangely, but you may get an opportunity to talk to them about the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ. Simeon is our example. He praised God. Let us praise the Lord God as we anticipate his coming again. May we pray. Father, thank you once again for this morning, for your word. The truth of it that we are awakened to the understanding that no matter how long we are told to wait for your coming. We are to do it faithfully. We are to be devoted to you with the anticipation that we are to tell others of the goodness that is in Jesus Christ. To you be the honor and the glory. In Christ's name we thank you. Amen.